Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cantina MX Football Podcast. Episode 374. Back at it on a cold Thursday, rainy afternoon. But we're here to provide you guys with the latest content in Liga MX. Starting out with a meeting that Ricardo Salinas had with a bunch of journos. And we're also going to be covering the last couple of weeks of Liga MX. And some other rumors going around. But before we go any further want to invite and encourage all our listeners to join us on Twitter Spaces and form your opinion. Feel free to speak up. We're also simultaneously broadcasting on YouTube, so you can throw in your comments in the chat. But before going further, let me welcome Joel to the show. Joel, how are we doing? Hey, I'm a good, man. It's good to be back. We had about a week, two-week hiatus. But, yep. but we're back. We're back. Uh, and and what a way to return with Salinas Pliego, um, his, his meeting, which is like, raises a bit of an eyebrow. Um, just but before we continue, I think we should explain who Salinas Pliego is. Yep. For those that don't know, he, he owns Mazatlan Football Club. So he's an owner within... FMF, but he is also the third richest person in Mexico, and he owns Grupo Salinas, and Grupo Salinas owns a lot of companies or manages them. One of them being Tebasteca. Oh shit! So, which which has stock in Atlas? Uh, I don't I don't know if also in Santos, but. So he's he actually he carries weight within the league, and 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 uh, um, I think he's one of the persons up there with uh, Irarragorri and, and all of them that are like can decide the future of Liga MX. Not maybe not decided, but have a lot influence. of influence. Yes, because definitely his influence is there. Uh, some of you might have seen him on Twitter. Because he likes to get on, get get. Mm. He has some back and forth with uh, Faitelson, and Faitelson used to work at Tebasteca, so he uh. used to be his employee. And so that's kind of, you know, and he, he goes pretty hard on him a lot of times, which a lot of the Twitter users like. And this is also thing about Plego that, you know, uh, difference between other league owners or, or people within FMF. He's one of the most you know, interacts the most on Twitter. It's almost like Elon Musk, Elon Musk type. You know, you you know, people would add him or whatnot, and he he'll throw in his two cents. Um, so yeah, he he called the meeting of like all the top journalists in Mexico to talk about to talk about his ideas or what he has planned or what he would like to see happen. Yeah, and uh, you know, slowly I'm I'm starting to like understand who this guy is. You guys keep sharing his tweets on our on our group chat, and like, dude, this guy goes in. <laughs> this guy does not give a fuck. And we're like, most football owners are kind of like to be like in the shadows. Like I'm talking about worldwide, not like in Liga Mekis. It's like yeah. in Mexico, they're like front and center, and they're like they're not ashamed, and they actually are like very vocal. And uh, it's pretty obvious. Like, estamos donde estamos because of these type of egos and these type of people that just don't give a fuck dude 
Um, I do have a sound clip I'll, I'll play just to give you guys a little bit more background on, on what happened. Yeah, and the sound clip is from one of the one of the uh, newspaper, one of the reporters that was, he was at the, it was like a luncheon, like, a, like he offered them food and to talk about football. And I think he works for, um, damn. I can't remember who he works for. Yeah, there you go, IS, which is one of the soccer, uh, you know, news news source. So yeah, the. I'll play right va cambiar pronto para bien. Hold on. Más fuertes, con más poder en el fútbol mexicano, que no va a cambiar pronto para bien nuestro querido balompié nacional. Opinión de su servidor. ¿Por qué? Estuve en una comida con chorrocientos periodistas deportivos en la oficina de Salinas Pliego, bueno, en la presidencia de TV Azteca, una de las oficinas, y va a defender la multipropiedad. Evidentemente, pues él es dueño de Mazatlán, tiene participación importante en el Puebla, 30% del grupo Orlegui, es decir, también es copropietario del Atlas y de Santos, eh, quiere a cinco naturalizados en la selección mexicana, eh, quiere que la repesca permanezca, eh, um, así se las dejo, difícil que el fútbol mexicano cambie con dueños que piensan así, lo respeto mucho, eh. eso es otra cosa, hablo de fútbol, como empresario, maravilloso, competitivo, poderoso, eh, es, es un ejemplo ¿no? de éxito financiero. Pero de fútbol, con ese asesor Gustavo Guzmán, no sabe mucho. Damn. And he had the balls to like tag him in that in that clip. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, man. That so guy, yeah, he certainly did. So he was, uh, since he was TV Azteca, TV Azteca owned Morelia. So is that why he's like the owner of Mazatlan now? Pretty much. I guess what I don't understand he, is why, why did he? Well, live? he sold the, he sold, he sold the franchise. So no, he sold the club name, I think. Oh. And he kept the franchise. So the franchise is basically like, like your ticket to be in like in first division, right? Like if you, yeah. wherever that team is. But then. You don't have to call it that name. You could, like, if Chivas, uh, if if Amari decided we're gonna be called something else, he could just do it. You know, it's the prequel, the franchise, because he owns a franchise, and he could just change everything. So technically, he's not changing the club; he's just changing the club, uh, the franchise name. That's that's why you will see teams all of a sudden change spots where well, the team's not really changing the spot it's the franchise that i guess my question is like I, I always assume morelia w got dismembered because they were broke but what was the reason why morelia like like why yeah, part of it part of it i think part of it and because that's one of the things some of these club owners have been doing was to try to have a team at a destination that's like, a, um, you know, like Acapulco, they, they had, what was it, Atlante? Yeah. Uh, Cancun. Or, or, Cancun, there you go, I said Acapulco. Um, but, you know, kind of put them in a resort type, like in a beach town, and see if that helps with with um, tourism, Yeah. traveling. Even within Mexico, you know, it's you get to go there, and it's like a, 
you're by the beach and all that. So that's that's part of it. So uh, how does that even work? He has stake in Puebla and Grupo Orlegi, which is uh, Santos and Atlas, right? Like, how how do you yeah. how <laughs> is that where the criticism comes into play? Like, why are, are we allowed to do that in Liga Mekis, You know, and like, uh, you know. it's going for a long time because that was Televisa. I don't know if you remember, and they they had um, Necaxa America. Necaxa and- San Luis, and so... Did they have Atlanta too, or no? I don't remember, because Atlante was linked to Burrillo Azcárraga, who's the cousin of Azcárraga Jean, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the name, you know, it's same family. Um, but I don't know if they ever got to own it. I just know it when, when Burrillo left. They, yeah. they did the change yeah. and all of that. Um, no, yeah, that's a multipropiedad that, but it's been going on for years. And I don't know if it's going to go away anytime soon because it's just Grupo Legi and then Grupo, Grupo Pachuca, who's also doing that. So who knows? Um, I, I do think part of them want to do away with it, which is goes into play with the whole getting rid of relegation uh-huh. because, uh, you know, we talked about it here, how new owners are going to want a guarantee in their investment. Yeah. They don't want to see uh, yeah. uh regulation. Yeah. They, they don't want to put, what they could invest anywhere from like 30 to $60 million, you know, yeah, uh, not just in transfers, but in like, the stadium or fixing the stadium or building a stadium. Right. And then in the year or less, you're in second division and you're not getting any money. You're losing even more money. Um, so that, that has kept a lot of owners or a, a lot of like possible owners away because there's other big companies in Mexico, Comex, you know, and, and whatnot to name, just to name one. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's probably it for them. But uh, but it's like, why would he call this meeting? Jaime, could he be wanting to run for presidency? Oh, I see. Yeah, could be. Because John De Luisa just announced, what was it, a few weeks ago, that he's not, you know, he's hanging the boots in May. He's not going to run for re-election. So that leaves that spot open. And it's like right now the person in charge of running I wouldn't say FMF, but like the national team, it's Grupo Orlegi through the whole FMF commission, but they're there and they're not going to be there if they're not going to have major input. Yeah, it makes sense. Seems like there's a big power struggle going on behind the scenes that we might not know or not might not be aware about where we're kind of like reading between the lines and trying to connect the dots. I guess from like his perspective, what is there to gain by having naturalized players on the national team like i don't understand that angle i don't know if he has like players at his uh clubs that he wants to promote to the national team that maybe aren't mexican but i don't know anyone in mazatlan that would be worthy of a call-up he, no he wouldn't call he wouldn't call from his own uh i just think him being linked to grupo Orlegi, and that's just the same group 
of uh, people related in in within FMF that are gonna be like together uh, because like you know we we've been talking about how there could be a change up of of like leadership yeah because after the World Cup the TV rights are up for grabs again and and so you have already the lines divided and and I think uh, Grupo Pachuca has a couple like I think they have Monterrey and other teams that have been linked with them and now you have like the the new FMF commission and that's Cholos, Chivas, America and Grupo Legi and now and you know we know that Salinas is tied to Grupo Legi so you have group you know you have Tebasteca in that mix too so it's it's looking favorable right now for this for all these teams that we just mentioned Mm-hmm. For all these entities, like it seems like they might hold on to the to the reins of as far as what FMF is concerned, and the other the other groups are gonna have to like take a back seat. And one of the criticisms has been with both Monterrey and Tigres because they they have a lot of money and but they seem content to just you know just be in the background. I don't think they want to be among the the shot callers. Yeah, I think they're going to be pretty interesting in May. And, uh, yeah, I mean, sounds like he's he's cooking something. Um, who do you think would be the most uh, obvious candidate for the, for the president? For presidency, I guess. I suspect that Televisa would put one of their own, you know? Someone linked to them. So it would be surprising if it was Salinas Pliego from from longtime rivals Tebasteca, which they haven't really been like that. That rivalry hasn't been there for a long time now. They've shared uh, a lot of the. They sort of buried the hatchet, and then that's kind of when you saw a lot of these guys leaving that were the most vocal of Televisa, uh-huh. like. Uh, they all went to ESPN, um, Joserra and Falterson. Yeah, that. Be, but like a lot of talking points that we have on, on on American Televisa, a lot of the negative comes from those guys. That they've been like, especially like Joserra since the '80s. That has been like, you know, building this narrative of like of Televisa being the bad guys. Yeah, Which you could say they are, but in, in a way, also they're not. You know they they've done both, good good and bad. <laughs> huh. I think. Do you want to go through his through the talking points they had? Uh, where? Yeah, where is that list? I didn't see it. Well, one of them is the five foreigners. Oh yeah. The other yeah, yeah. one is the other one is uh, man, this guy just mentioned that. <laughs> Wait, I think I had multi-property. Hold on, it's right here on the on the main thing. Here it is. Wait, no, it's not. <laughs> he has like how many did he have? He had um. Did he put? Did he tweet it himself? No. No, he. Someone put the list. I didn't see the list. Yeah, that's all. I was like, where? Where'd you guys see the list at? Um. 
Well, the five foreigner one, we could we could at least talk about that one. Um, yeah, it just says uh, I talked about multi ownership, and yeah, just being able to oh, wants uh, five naturalized players. And he For wants team, he yeah. wants um, repechaje to be permanent. Wait, to stay away or bring it back? No, he likes the like the wild card round in the uh, how it's like. Oh, repechaje, repechaje! Yeah, I know repechaje. what you mean. I was I was thinking I was thinking the other thing relegation yeah. for some reason. Yeah. So. He says that it's uh, more entertaining than the boring formats that are, you know, in Europe, where it's like one league table and you can basically clinch the league multiple games in advance. I I like Ligia. I don't. I wouldn't like to return to the long season format. I just think that it it really does fit like our league and our culture. And going to a long season format would basically eliminate Chivas from ever winning some silverware because they are the most in inconsistent team uh, in the league. I don't think they ever won like a title, uh, like in the last thirty years, that like that they were actually like in a decent position in the table. You know, when we beat Toluca, we were like the eighth seed. So long season format not good for Chivas. It's not good for a lot of teams, to be honest. We would just we would just see the top four. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times when they lose, it's because Ligilla, and a lot of times it's not like they're defeated. It could be like, you know, they, they drew 2-2 and some team was just slightly better or whatnot. But, yeah, we will keep seeing the, the top four, top five. Yeah. Always there. Yeah, and, uh, you know... With also the spending that Rayados and Tigres have, I mean, how do you compete? So, like, Ligia kind of evens out the playing fields. You've had teams like Puebla have deep runs and upset a lot of teams. Um, so you kind of want to keep that, like, fighting spirit going on. And then, obviously, we talked about in the last podcast how we're trying to mimic the the American style of the NFL football and the audience that we have here in the States. They're used to that sort of playoff format. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as, because uh, we have had a couple weeks without an episode, the under-17 Mexico team did win their fifth consecutive CONCACAF tournament. Uh, this was against the United States. And this is like a big topic because with all these titles – there seems to be a discrepancy between our youth teams and making it to the first division and taking the talent and and handing it off to to the next level. And these titles mean nothing because we haven't had any player development. I'm trying to figure out like you know, where do, where are we losing these kids? No, I see that's that's where I've always argued about there's no development or the coaches aren't that good. I thought they've always 
been good enough for the all the youth levels in Mexico to be at the very least competitive. Um, and and so we've seen him win all types of tournaments. You know, I'll, I'll mention them again, like Toulon or Milk Cup or Gothic Cup or all these other, there's a lot of these smaller tournaments. A lot of times they don't get much press, but Mike's teams have always done well in those. It's it's when they're a bit older, you know, once they, once, you know, I, I, um, at that age already, like 16, 17, 18, they're not getting the playing time they should to develop further. And once you're you're competing at that other at the next level, that's where that's where the the league fails, I would say, or or the clubs, because they will rarely give uh, players that young much playing time, and it's it's not going to change because of the short season. That's that's one of the. Um, you know, and that was one of the criticisms of Tata Martino, who recently said what was wrong with Mexican soccer. And he said, you know, the, the format. And yeah, because it's short season, coaches are expected to get results right away. So that means you really can't experiment much or you can't really rely on youth that much because you're, you know. Yeah, you don't have... Uh... You- a long enough leash to be experimenting and to take a risk on a, on a new kid. Yeah. And so it's very few that are actually going to get a shot. And there's a lot that just, they're not, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get, they're not gonna get much of a chance. Um, and yeah, we've seen lists before of like number of youth players across the leagues and, and Max was rated amongst the lowest. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, we've been doing this for such a long time and it just hasn't been addressed or it hasn't been fixed. And it's sad because I'm not saying that all these 17 under 17 players are going to be world-class or superstars, but you would hope to at least see at least, I don't know, like, Five percent, like maybe three out of the team to like actually have a, a decent career. We look at like our first title and our first World Cup title in two thousand five. I mean, you had Vela and Gio, you know, and they had decent careers. I'm not saying that they were like super successful, but you kind of hope that at least one or two from every generation kind of kind of has that breakthrough. Uh, Carlos Fierro from from twenty eleven. So it's like. I don't know, man. It feels like something's going on. And you look at, like, in Europe, these kids are already making, your, you know, Champions League debuts and starting in, in really important games. They just throw them out there, bro. Like, they don't care. <laughs> they... But I also feel like they're way more prepared at that age than, than they are in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, it also depends the league, right? Because, like, um, Dutch league is more likely to debut more younger players. Than say like the EPL, at least on average. Yeah, I think Germany does a good job too. Like you've had some some German players make the jump very young. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things keeps keeps happening. We do have Abdias on the podcast today. I know he's been probably in hiding because of Cruz Azul's poor performances in the league. 
But uh, yeah, <laughs> hope you're doing well. I have a uh, my brother-in-law's brother who's a Cruz Azul fan. And he's like, look, we can talk about anything but Cruz Azul right now. I'm like, damn, is that bad? <laughs> you guys They've have Tuca worse. now. You guys they... have Tuca. And and they've seen worse, Jaime. They went almost 20 years. So. Guys, oh. I still remember a season a couple of years ago where we lost just about every single fucking game. Estábamos en el puesto 18 por unas cuantas semanas y subimos hasta el 14. Like, that was the fucking yeah. high point. Uh, Cruz Azul is nothing but a shit show and it's nothing but pain and heart. It's like the Cowboys. <laughs> right? We're always super fucking stacked. No, hombre, esta es la buena. La vamos a ganar. Y luego, ¿qué pasa? Pinches butt fumbles. Yeah. Right? And so, but there's hope with Tuca, man. So, the couple things, right? One, inconsistency on schedule. So, yes. Pero la otra cosa que está pasando is, honestly, man, we, you guys talked about it last week, last pod, like, hey, what's going on with Cruz Azul? Who do they need? Is Tuca good fix? This and that. Yes. ¿Por qué? Porque Cruz Azul necesita not so much a director técnico, but a dictator behind la directiva. <laughs> Someone to tell them, no cabrones. Eso es lo que se va a hacer. Necesito a este, este, y este, y este. ¿Por qué? Porque Cruz Azul es una chingadera por la cooperativa y hay muchas manos ahí adentro. Entonces, lo que necesitamos es Tuca que venga y que les agarre a todos los huevos y nos diga qué es lo que tenemos que hacer. Because when you start looking at the numbers of Cruz Azul, if you guys, if you guys have heard the talks for a while before Tuca was named... They were talking to, talking to us the same way they talk about Chivas, right? A fucking broke team, <laughs> which we're not. <laughs> but then I started doing some digging, and turns out, right now, Cruz Azul isn't doing too hot with money. Cruz Azul is mainly paid off by las cementeras que ellos tienen. La cementera de Jalisco no ha estado produciendo cemento por los últimos cuatro me cuantos meses, y han perdido un chingo de dinero. Huh. Como ustedes saben, en México el cemento es rey. Por eso Cemex tiene un chingo de dinero. Por eso Monterrey y todos los demás. So, with the lack of that money, that's why there was a conversation. Of, Who's the cheapest? Is Mohamed going to come? Is it going to be Hugo Sanchez. X, Y, and Z? Oh, puta madre, güey. Hugo Sanchez, no mames. Rompeme un huevo mejor. Yeah. Right. He's, yeah. he's pretty good. My favorite Chepo. Chepo <laughs> is also on that list. Chepo was on that list. And you know what? Chepo isn't bad, but I really think Tuca is going to take us where we need to be. Because here's the problem with Cruz Azul. We have been patching this ship for so fucking long. Que se va este, entra el otro, y que, ah, no, tráeme un argentino, tráeme un uruguayo, y, y como quiera los vendemos, y nada cambia. So yeah, what we I, need, I, we need a prospect for the future. I saw, like, an improvement once Billy Alvarez and, and those guys were booted out, and mm -hmm. the cooperativa was like, it looked like they cleaned house, and then they were doing good, and that's when they went. They finally win the league again, mm -hmm. and and they have one of the best, strongest teams in the league. And then all of a sudden, there seems to be infighting, and one of the guys that was responsible for, you know, for bringing back the championship, he gets booted out. Yep. And so, seems like that's that you know, that's the problems internal, and that's what's hurting Cruz Azul. That's exactly. Do you see it. that? You see that ending anytime soon or or do you think it's going to take a while before somebody you I know I think it's going to take a while because la cooperativa del cemento azul todavía está hecho un desmadre they're still killing themselves in Ciudad Jalisco con palos y, y tubos right the 
la cooperativa de Cruz Azul está chingada desde el principio. Because it's money laundering. And if you run la cooperativa de Cruz Azul, que, que te deja mover todas las cementeras, también te deja mover, también te deja manejar el equipo de fútbol. Y por eso es por la que las cosas se van a la verga. Por eso es que necesitábamos al Tuca o alguien con los huevos para decirles a los directivos, no. Eso es lo que necesitamos. Y lo bueno, which is 50-50, I don't know how much they're going to let Conejo cook, but if they let him cook, I think we can have some some work in there. What's Conejo's position now? Is he like a goalkeeper coach, or is he no. like actually in the admin? He's admin. He's admin now. So oh. Conejo got moved up to, um, what's it called? Director Deportivo. Oh, shit, he took really? Jaime Ordelia's job. Yeah. Yep, when Jaime went to Selección, it was kind of left empty. And then uh, now they have moved una figura del club, so they put Conejo there. And apparently, what they were saying was that the first decision that was made by Conejo was bringing in Tuca. Interesting. It was one of the first ones where he was able to actually put his weight behind it. Of Yo soy el director deportivo, Tuca. Right? There had been rumors about Jaime coming back ever since, you know, whatever's going on in Selección, todo ese pinche desmadre right now con Ares de Parga. Um, but there's talks about him coming back, pero Cruz Azul ha dicho que no, que el conejo es su caballo y es con quien se van a ir. So we'll see how that holds. Pero, dude, like your brother-in-law said, we can talk about anything except for Cruz Azul. <laughs> <laughs> All right? I have a, talk about shit sipping. I have a trivia question for you. Who has more appearances, Conejo Perez or Chuy Corona? Oof. Honestly, I want to say Conejo Perez. But that's know, a tough bro. one. Chewie's been there for a minute, dog. Bro, I remember Conejo since I was a kid. Yeah. I remember Conejo both of them. Conejo was always there. <laughs> and then I remember cuando Chewie le ganó la titularidad al Conejo. Right? I remember cuando se llevaron al Conejo al pinche mundial. And I was like, wait, he's fucking old. What are you doing? Y pero luego, jugó bien. So it's one of those things of... I want to say Conejo because that's that's the team that I remember. Pero también I remember Kikin, I remember Chaco, I remember those guys in there, right? So that's my idea of Cruz Azul. To this day, I swear to God, the happiest moment that I've ever had as a Cruz Azul fan, second to winning the cup, was cuando se ganaron la Copa, um, la CCL, y que uh -huh. dijo el Chaco, por fin me puedo retirar feliz. Le he traído a este grupo lo que se merecía. Yeah. And, and he made me cry. <laughs> So you're not gonna believe this, but Chuy Corona has 443 appearances, and he actually has more than Conejo. Conejo has 416. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah. No man, Conejo's un referente en la portería. So yeah. it's interesting. But then talking about la portería, one of the other things, and let's let's kind of talk about this right now. La portería de México. ¿Dónde estamos? Like, where is la portería going? You know, Chuy just came out, which también es una pinche mamada de que, ah, no, ya me voy a retirar de la selección y quién sabe qué. Güey, ni te están hablando. I know, dude. It's like, All right. we, we so, weren't even talking about you, but thanks. Exactly. So it's like, all right, man, you're there. Shut the fuck up. Sit down. Y luego hacemos todo lo demás. ¿Verdad? So it's just one of those things where... It's a good topic you bring up. Growing? It's a good topic you bring up because you don't see any front runners. I think right now it's still Ochoa because he's in Europe. 
And naturally, because of marketing, someone like Acevedo has a lot of appeal, but he's also just as bad. And (laughs) and you don't really have, like, a strong candidate. Uh, Diego Coca took uh, both of them, right? And I think, what was the third one? Um, Este Toño, no? Rodriguez. Yeah. Y luego, aquí es el pedo. Okay, so now let's look at the ages. Yeah. Acevedo tiene 27 años. Yep. He'll be 30-some by the next World Cup. Luego de él, ¿quién sigue? Si ustedes se acuerdan, hace unos cuantos años, el pedo de México nunca era tener porteros. Siempre había un putazo yeah. de porteros que nos enojábamos, que por qué no llevas yep. a este, por qué no llevas al otro, y eso y otro. Y ahora, sin delanteros, sin porteros, sin mediocampistas, sin nada. Yeah, but we got a shit ton of money. We got a shit ton of money. Well, I mean, well, Coca-Cola then, pays well. Well, and that, that's why you have Plego asking for five foreigners, right? Mm-hmm. You, you kind of mention it right now because there's a lack of strikers, goalkeepers. I can't even name you players. five naturalizados that I'd want. I can't even name you like three. <laughs> the guy from yeah. Atlas, the Ecuadorian. Who? Is he nationalized? Oh, he's for sure nationalized, bro. Are you talking about Quinones? No, no, that's Argentine. Um, not. He's playing with Atlas. He plays the Quinones, no? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yo, I, I would know. take Purch. He's not. Purch is he's 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 yeah he's up there in age though, right? He's he probably um and we don't need. Problem. Where's our young team? You know, well, who is yeah, the ironically, we were just talking about the youth <laughs> because, well, you yeah, know, the, 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 under 17, the, I did hear some of that. Yeah, they won, and then it's like a lot of these guys go back to the league and then they don't get playing time. And a lot mm-hmm. of the players from teams that they beat, they're the ones that go to their respective leagues. They get the playing time, then they end up in Liga MX. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's kind of like, well, if you guys heard the interview, it's what Tata said. It's like, all right, there's this big noise about players who live to leave to Europe, but then there's no hullabaloo when they come back in two, three years. And like you said, fucking Captain Salaho is over here con Semex <laughs> money just paying everybody. <laughs> yeah, the way you put it like that, it is pretty funny. You got, you got teams that's, you know, Safety blanket. Hey, if I don't make it, I, I can go back to, you know, Monterrey. Mm-hmm. So, y cuando pasa eso, no, no hay nada. Con madre, que se venga, que regrese, se hizo mejor en Europa, y luego llega, y se afloja en dos, en dos temporadas, y ya se chingó. Yeah, look at uh, Linus. Yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole they get better in Europe. Like, that, that's become a talking point, and people have bought into it. Like, I could see the logic behind it you know, there's better coaches and better competition. And so, you know, obviously, if you have all that, you become mm-hmm. a better player. But then we've seen it with a lot of players that were in Europe and then they come back and they still can't hack it. Uh, Godinho, right, is one of them who came back and he was, what, at Porto? And he comes back and he can't even hold on to the to the to uh to the starting spot he's fighting with um this other guy who was in in uh chivas with tapatio 
So, so you, yeah. you have a Tapatio guy going head to head with the guy that was in Europe, supposedly becoming this greater player. And you see it with a lot of players like that, where they go and they come back, and it's like, they, you know, you would assume or you would think, all right, yeah, they have all of that. And and I kind of saw the media make something like in Linus' first game, Toque Europeo or something like yeah. that. And I was like, this is why you have a bunch of people believing that shit. And the reality is right now he can't even he can't hold on to the starting spot. He's just mm-hmm. he's been a suplente, and he was in Europe for what two years? Longer than yep. that. Dude, and, long enough to have his European passport. Yeah. So about three years, three four. Yeah, so my thing's always been, it's like, okay, I'm not saying you can't get better. I'm just saying it's not a guarantee. So stop, like, as soon as you see a player, you know, stop stop thinking that he needs to leave right away because he's Mm going to, he's going to improve or he's not going to improve staying in the league, which we've seen the opposite as well, right? With Chicharo went straight into Man U, and his first season was one of his best in Europe. He scored over 20 goals, and that was from from being in Liga MX, where he wasn't even a starter for most of his career. I think that was the the one season where he finally broke through, and he ends up leaving. And right now, Santiago Jimenez also the same. Yeah, he's doing he goes great. To, and he's doing great right off the bat. So. You got to understand this. Plus, he's yeah, you... been on top of his game since he debuted in Cruz Azul. Yeah. All yeah, right. and his, his dad has a lot to do with that, you know, having a, a dad that played pro um, and oh, could absolutely. guide you. No, but my whole thing is like players that when they leave, that they do good. It's either you have it already in you and you're going to do good or you don't have it. Yeah. And it, it and you just, get exposed real quick. Yeah. And we see that a lot. And then there's also the, the other thing where it was like just bad luck because you just have a bad, you know, the culture with you just can't chill with the team or, or sometimes you have like, um, like, like just some players, they just can't, handle being so far away and that's that's one thing a lot of people they don't take they don't take serious but it's like wait you're not doing it <laughs> it's easy to talk shit someone and you're not have you don't have to do that but it does affect a lot and you see it in the interview psychological when the players yeah talk, yeah where it's like they just couldn't they just couldn't no matter what country they just the food everything they just their mindset is like fuck i, I don't they get like depressed. I, I can't be here. I have to leave. I know Artiaga talked about it because he, he his move to Europe was I think like during COVID and he couldn't he his wife couldn't like go with him and she was stuck in Mexico and he was like by himself and he said that like that had a lot of had, it took a huge toll on him. Yeah, and I think he was like yeah. he was one of the players that would. Uh, he asked, like, he was called up, and then he took, like, a break. Same thing with, like, with uh, Corona, too. Decatito, he he had a situation like that. Yeah. 
I have the wind has taken me all over the place. Lived in Boston, lived in Ohio, lived in LA, lived out here. Everything far away from home. You ha you don't have your comforts. Pero sabes qué? Estás picando piedra. Estás haciendo algo más para ti. So that's the problem with the Mexican player and that mentality. Because at the end of the day, they still have that market back home that's going to ev evaluate them at three times their cost. So, pa qué chingados me voy a picar piedra? ¿Por qué estoy batallando? ¿Por qué me estoy partiendo la madre acá cuando puedo regresar a casa? When I yep. miss everything that has given me comfort. Because I am in a new land, I am in a new culture, I am a foreigner. Y esa mentalidad nos enseña. It's there. No, yeah. And like you guys said, it's yeah. you have the right stuff or not. Yeah, and it's, it's also it's not for everyone because you could be talented and you just, just don't like being that in another location, you click. I, I just, you know, you just don't like it there. You see it a lot though, and, and you see it a lot with, with from some of these countries, um, like Brazil and Argentina, to make a good example, where a lot of them will return, even even like turning down really big offers, right? So you, you see it a lot of times, especially like Argentines, and they're playing almost for free. Have you guys heard about the rumor about La Pulga? Uh, Messi? Yeah. About he how he sucks ass uh, PSG? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to tell me yeah. that. <laughs> well, that's it. He wants to put on the, the Newell's Old Boys uh, uniform again. And it seems like oh, he's wasting his time at PSG. Yeah. So, PSG is... Uh, uh, I've been enjoying their downfall, man, because... I mean, Mbappe decided to, yeah. Mbappe is like, uh, his biggest mistake was not going to Madrid. If he wants to win a Champions League, he has to he has to leave PSG. They're never going to win a uh, Champions they, League. Yeah, man. It's one of those things, like, they're just cursed. Why? Because they don't, they, they don't have the true culture. They just came in and brought Arab money. I tweeted something a long time ago. It was like, Man City and PSG, will st will, like, despite their efforts, will not win a Champions League anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And like honestly, I thought the best PSG that there was was the Cavani um Slatan. With Slatan. Slatan. Yeah. Yeah. Cavani, Slatan, and um the I can't remember his name, El Argentino. Di Maria, Yunchingos yeah. demás. Those were the ones that were supposed to win champions. And when I saw them not winning win it multiple times, because who? Fucking Bayern. You're not gonna get past them. It's kinda like if you keep up with NHL, the Capitals versus the Penguins. Sidney Crosby would beat the shit out of Ovechkin every day. Regardless that Ovechkin is a much better player, they still lost. They couldn't get past the Penguins. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's really sad to, like, watch these Champions League matches and not see any Mexicans, except for uh, Chucky Lozano holding it down for Napoli, who's in a really good position to win the league this year, and that would be absolutely huge. I was say, Chucky's tearing it up over there, man. He's, yeah, Napoli's he's waving it. the flag up high. And you know so, what's also scary is uh, Juventus had uh, like 15 points removed from their from their um, per, you know campaign this this season, and they're still like in a position to qualify to Europe. That's scary. <laughs> damn. Damn. <clears throat> so yeah, guys, that's pretty much my big take right now. Is them. 
pinche Cruz Azul, güey. All I want, so here's the deal, <laughs> right? We don't judge the short term. En Cruz Azul pensamos en un año, dos años. Because I can't judge anything short term. We've seen this before. Y ya sabes cómo es el fútbol mexicano. Entra un nuevo director y como se ganan el primer juego. And everyone starts a dick writing contest. But then give me three, three more games in and it starts to get bad. Y todos fuera, tuca, quién sabe qué madres. No, 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 no. Dame un año. Dame una temporada. Temporada y media. Because honestly, I don't think, I don't like the short season. I know you guys talked about it and you think that the way it works for, for our part of the world and all that. I think the long season could work better. In fact, I like the suggestion that, um, what's it called? Pues el que ya se fue, John de Luisa, que nos había dado, de podemos hacer un torneo largo, podemos tener campeonatos, podemos tener todo. Right? I did like that proposal. But they're not going to accept it. ¿Por qué? Because you mean I tanked the first, la apertura, y ahora en la clausura ya estoy jugando de cero o de menos. ¿Por qué lo voy a hacer? Do you guys not hear that one? Yeah, no. Uh, I, I do remember the proposal about, you know, being having your cake and eating it too. I know, and I know Cruz Azul probably would have won a few championships had they done the long season format because for a while Cruz Azul was like the best team in the league, um, at least in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I understand your argument. I just don't think it works out in, in, in Mexico. <laughs> Teams aren't consistent enough, man. That's the problem. I think that's the point because then you don't have your powerhouses at all times because even if they're inconsistent, pues déjame que pinche Lobos Wap a lo mejor llega a la media tabla. ¿Por qué? Porque Lobos Wap podría haber llegado a la media tabla ganando unos juegos aquí, empatando otros allá, allá, allá y se pudiera haber eh, evitado el, el repechaje. No repechaje, el, el descenso. Si le hubiéramos dado suficiente tiempo a de estarle chingando la madre con una temporada de tan solamente 8 tempora 18 temporadas. So it gives you more time to earn the points. You're no longer in the pressure cooker. We wouldn't be seeing coaches get fired by Jornada Cuatro. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know there's like long-term benefits giving uh, young players the chance now that there's, you know, 34 matches instead of 17. So I, I understand the, the benefits, but... And then the question is, do we just want a short return? Do we just, do we just want instant gratification? Yes. If so... That's just how, the, that's just how it is, man. I know, but why don't we invest more in the League's Cup? That's another thing, too, is like there's no incentive for us to have a long season format because in other in other leagues, it's like, hey, you know, finishing in the top table, you you get to go to Champions League or Europa League. What, what the fuck do we have in CONCACAF? We have the CONCACAF Champions League. Ask Atlas how that's going for them. <laughs> Ask Austin FC how that's going for them. Okay, guys, we don't judge the world by Atlas, okay? <laughs> Let's just start off there. As Pumas embarrassed us in the final. I don't know what you're talking about. The Sounders did a great fucking job, okay? No, yeah, for sure. I was sure. there, and I was hating on the fucking Pumas because <laughs> they took a giant shit on the field. They fucked up at, at uh, Ciudad Universitaria y luego vinieron acá porque le metieron la niña un poquito más. Right. It's just like there's no there's no prestige and that like when I when I saw the I didn't even watch the games I just saw the score lines I'm like so Tigres couldn't get the job done Atlas got embarrassed Leon was the only team that won from Mexico but it's like at the same time like who cares about the Champions League this is not it's not like the European Champions League there's 
there's no big players that we are the big players. Like it's us and MLS. That's it, bro. It's like if it was Copa Libertadores, that's the only incentive I would like. They said, hey, we're gonna do a long season format, and in exchange we get we get back into Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana. I'd be like, sign us up. But well, there has been a lot of traction behind Libertadores getting into 2026 for us. If you've been listening to a lot of South American soccer talks, las federaciones están acercando un poquito más. And there's really strong talks about Libertadores coming back in 2026. Cuando se vuelven a vender los derechos de... Um, That's three years too long, man. We need to be in it today. We need to be in it right now. We need Copa America and we need Libertadores. We need, we need that Comebol pass, bro. We do. We do. And that's one of the things that, well, here's the thing, man. Copa America was supposed to be all of us, all the way up to Canada. Pero lo dijeron que no, que era mucho pedo. Entonces, porque el nombre es la Copa de las Américas. No Copa América. Copa de las Américas. So, all of us. Pero luego se well, but we, we weren't invited. We weren't invited, though, when they started. Right? And then they did the... Um, the Copa America Centenario, and that's when, you know, they saw how much more lucrative, because in the past they had invited. You know, Mexico went in 93, in 95 was Mexico and the US. Uh, I can't remember the year when I think Honduras went, Costa Rica, and they held their own. They weren't exactly, you know, squashed. Um, and so, but it's it's always the whole CONCACAF and CONMEBOL. So who who's going to run that ship, you know? And it's CONMEBOL's tournament. So they would have to do like a new cup where it's like, and even then, who, who runs it? You know what I mean? And it's hard because you can't put it to a boat. CONCACAF has way more uh, countries in, in the federation. Compared to Comebol is just 10. Shit, we even have some Comebol countries like uh, Suriname. Suriname should be in Comebol. Some reason they're in CONCACAF. So that's, I think that's going to be, I think they're trying to get FIFA involved or something so that like they would run it. Because that's something of the things I heard. <clears throat> uh, I got to. Right. Oh, oh God. Now you can go first. Oh, what I was going to say, yes, we need all of these things. But you know what we really need, guys? We need Confederaciones back. That's the one that we need. I, yeah, I love Copa America, and it's fun to see us. Pero sabes que, güey, a veces te comes un 7-0, right? Versus <laughs> um, Confederations, we got to test ourselves. It wasn't just a fucking tournament for an empty cup. It's, it was a true trial before the World Cup. Yeah. Dress rehearsal. That's yeah. what we need. Yes, dress rehearsal. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. So well, that was FIFA that got rid of it. Yeah, and there's yeah. gonna be something like it. Well, club going World into Cup. This next... no, no, no. Well, yeah, they got rid of it for the clubs World Cup to make like room for it, like an expanded club yeah. World Cup. But but right here for the upcoming World Cup, they're thinking of doing a confederation. Well, because it's not gonna be called confederaciones. I think it's just gonna be the Gold Cup, and they're gonna bring in. Some of the top yeah. teams. I got an email 
from the League's Cup, and it's very confusing. They are going to have, like, they already announced the, the brackets for the knockout phases and all that. But one interesting detail is that the knockout matches are going to be hosted in the United States. So for Liga Mekis, if Liga Mekis, if two Liga Mekis teams match up in the knockout stages, there are designated venues for those matches. So they're not going to be taking place in their home stadiums. It's going to be taking place uh, in Los Angeles or San Jose if you're on the West Coast, Central, uh, South, and East. So it's very interesting. I, I don't know why they did that. Yeah. And unfortunately, for to watch the League's Cup, you will need a subscription to Apple TV+. Plus. I think some matches might be on cable, but for the bulk of matches, they're going to be uh, on that paywall. And uh, this this kicks off... It, well, the knockout stages kicks off in uh, August, July to August. Okay, yeah, because that was my question. Because I, you know, these games are going on, but they're not even televising them in Mexico. TUDN, nadie. No los puedo encontrar por ningún pinche lado. So therefore, how are we making money on this one? And there it idea. is, that paywall. So yeah, groups. Yeah. Group stage kicks off on July twenty first and runs through July thirty first, and then the knockout stage will continue after that. And the final will take place on the 19th of August. So it's just weird how these matches are going to be happening during like the off season. And I don't know how that's going to clash with like international tournaments, like the gold cup. So yeah, it's going to be weird. We've made it almost an hour. (laughs) Yeah. MLS schedule. Made an hour without talking about Chivas. I, I did want to talk a little bit about them. Uh, they are in rare form. And Bauno is seems to be the real deal. Holyfield. I don't know, Joel, are, are you still on the skeptical side of things? Or are you uh, no. are you on the hype? I haven't. No, I, neither. Neither. Because this is a team that... Oh, you just upset your kid really... with that answer, bro. Come on. I know. He started yelling. He doesn't agree. No, this is a team that wasn't really doing bad, right? The media kept talking about fracaso and all of these things in the fans. But if we saw the club, most of the tournaments, most of the seasons, they were about six to five points from finishing in the upper half of the table. Yeah. I think if they were missing something, was a player like Pocho Guzman which they, they pretty much had already bought a while back. Unfortunately, um, all, all the, all the like his drug issue problem <laughs> prevented him from, from being at Chivas, but I just felt something, a player of that caliber was missing. Uh, and it sucks that now that he's there, uh, JJ Mack and, and Alexis are both out. Yeah. You know, like he, those three would be the main guys to... If Chivas is to have some successes, I would say those those three guys can can you know push them forward. But they're doing really good. But this is and it's something I, I talked about a lot, and I, I kept getting you know people 
just uh, go against me. Just the consistency where I say, team needs to be consistent first before you want to um, mm -hmm. hope to achieve anything else. At least, you know, become consistent to a certain extent, not just of where you're finishing on the table, but even the players you have. And they maintain a pretty solid group of players. So these are players that have already played. They played the Copa for Mexico final. They played a, a league semifinal. So, no, it's, I don't think it's surprising. I think, he, so I think, and uh, someone like Kamari should deserve credit too, because he's he's been part of that, that rebuilding stage. So we're just now seeing like the fruits of all that labor. And so I do think, uh, I do think Bao was like the, the good choice. He, he seems what he brings to the table is working despite the setbacks he has. And so I, I think, uh, but, but think about how long this team has been getting worked at, two, three years. So it was not just him arriving and all of a sudden things just, you know, improved, right? Sort of reminds me when Westerhoff came and he came under similar circumstances and everyone, a lot, even to this day, a lot of people think like if he was the architect of all that, when you're looking at a team that had been worked on for a good five years. There was a lot of groundwork that that was taking place before. And I, I agree with, with uh, what you said. This is a team that uh, not too long ago had one of the best goals in Liga Mekis uh, against Bumas that build up the the one touch, the, the feint by Nene and the finish. It was one of the best goals I've seen in a long time. And that was under Dick Chain. And the yeah. team, the team, like you said, wasn't necessarily playing bad. They were just getting some unfavorable results at the very end. They were letting uh, wins get to draws and draws go to losses. Yeah. And, and, and it really was just like that lack of, of finishing at, at, at like the final like minute lack of attention. Uh, and, and they were getting like, you know, these results. But, and yeah, they were, they were playing more or less like how they're playing against Pau. But I will say Pau has set the tone and, you know, with a new coach, I think like the fans have starting to get a little bit excited. They're starting to think about the possibility of lifting a trophy soon. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for it, but I'm going to continue to be pragmatic and, and be like, you know, we, we really haven't proven anything just yet. I think uh, the Clásico was going to really give us a, a measuring measuring stick of, of where we stack up. And if we were to get a, a pretty positive result, like a, like a thrashing against America, I think at that point it would be like, all right, I'm all about the hype train and we're not too far away from the super classical. We have a, a match against Puebla tomorrow and then the super classicals uh, the next week. So some exciting times for Chivas fans. As far as if they can finish in the top four and get an automatic buy, that would be impressive. <laughs> well, they've been very close, very close. Like you could, anyone can go and check uh, the table and, and look at Chivas and then see how far they were and check it not just for last season, but the last couple of seasons. And they, they just, they've been there. I guess right now, hopefully, like Alexis Vega recovers. Fully, I think JJ Mack, what he's lost for the year, he's, he's lost to us again. What's that? He got a, um, Macias. 
he's gonna be gone for a while, right? Is yeah. He injured? Another another nine months. Yeah, it was supposed to be what, like six, and then now it's like no, more like a year. Um, but but Alexis could be recovering him could could do could do a lot of good. Yeah, I'm very curious to see where Alexis fits into the mix now. And I can't believe we have Chivas fans already saying that Bocho's done more than than Vega has. Uh, it's like, dude, you guys have like the worst like short term memory. Like, let's not yes, let's let's not dismiss so uh, Alexis Vega and say, oh, we don't even need you anymore. Like, let's not let's not get crazy, you know. When they when they were crying, remember when they were saying uh, how the club was going to lose the player. They were ready to link everyone. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy how, how fickle fans are with Chivas, but I, I'm excited for his return and see how the team performs with him in the lineup with Bocho. Uh, we're going to have to wait a long time to see the triplet, you know, with, with Macias in there. But just having a little bit of uh, support with Alexis Vega and, and Bocho on the field together, I think it's going to be going to be fun football to watch and this is impressive with these results that Chivas are getting without a legitimate striker like I'm sorry but Rios is not the answer and and we just don't have any any legitimate nines on the team right now and somehow we we, we are getting these results what I will say though with Bocho like let's not get too crazy three of his goals have come from the penalty spot and you know you do have to put him away at the end of the day but still like it's not like he's generating all these goals from from live action. He's getting. But, but Jaime, re- remember we talked about you was lacking that like team leader. Oh yeah, for sure. Someone to rally the troops. Exactly. And there was a video that leaked where he's in the locker room doing just that. And that's that's what Chivas uh-huh. needed for sure. They needed a player like Bocho for a long time, and I'm curious what would have happened had he not failed the drug test and. If Belias and Vucetic would have still been there, sometimes I wonder what would have happened had had um, Jose Luis Iguera had not traded him for Pizarro. That's a very good uh, question too. Who knows what you would know, have happened? Early, early on, Pizarro was just, you know, he was just on fire. Yeah. I think his career would have turned out differently. I think maybe Pizarro would have had the success Bocho is now having and Bocho would have been like what Pizarro is now. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty interesting dynamic now uh, with Chivas. Very excited to see how they finish the season. As far as like what you would consider a success for Chivas this season, what does that look like? At least for me, it's finishing in the top four. That would prove like, that this is not a fluke and they have been consistent throughout the regular season. And I expect nothing less than a, than a semifinal appearance. If that's the case, if if you're going to finish top four in the season that you need to finish top four in the playoffs. So those are my expectations for Chivas. If they continue this trajectory, anything less than that, I would consider not a failure, but more of, what we've already seen from Chivas. I think we lost Joel there. 
on daddy duty. But we do have some upcoming friendlies for Mexico. They are going to be playing against uh, Jamaica. Let me get the dates here. Yeah, so they play Jamaica on the 26th, Suriname on the 23rd. And we obviously saw the lineup or the players that Diego Coca has called up to the national team in the goalkeeping position. We have Ochoa, Acevedo, and Rodriguez. Defenders, we have Reyes, Araujo, Moreno, Gallardo, uh, Tiba Sepulveda, Alvarez, Angulo, Araujo, Sanchez, Montes, Vasquez, Artiaga. In the midfield, Romo, Antuna, Córdoba, Álvarez, Gutiérrez, Ruiz, Poncho, González, Alvarado, Nene Beltrán, Carlos Rodríguez, Luis Chávez, Diego Laines. Uh, in the fourth position, Chucky Lozano, De La Rosa, Raúl Jiménez, Santiago Jiménez, Orbelín Pineda, and Henry Martín. Uh, I was not too excited about the, the, the squad that Diego Coca decided to to bring because it is a little bit more of the same. I, I am happy that um, Ache Ache is gone from this call-up, but there are some other players that should not be there. Uh, I'm looking at Romo. I'm looking at Araujo. I'm looking at Moreno. I, I would like to see a coach take a little bit of a chance on players that are in form, like Pocho Guzman and Chofis Lopez. And maybe some younger players as well. What's also funny is that he didn't call up anyone from his former team, Atlas. Which I think is pretty ironic. Yeah, Ooh, was who, stuff there. Who do they have, though? Didn't they sell a player to Tigres? I would have thought Rocha deserved a call up, no? And uh, Marcus, Jeremy Marcus. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't make a no big deal of his list. He has those two games, but they're more important than. People are making it out to be. A lot of people didn't want him as coach. And then you have the whole debacle of Qatar, you know, that shadow still being cast. And so any any slip up is gonna get amplified. So he's he's coming up against these teams that could be pretty physical and try to at least get the W's, get the wins. Doesn't matter how. People are not going to remember how, you know, especially if he racks a couple of them up and, and the team's, you know, is finally on the right track. So I know people want it like a generational change, but it's too risky to do it like that where it's like a whole new squad. And you're starting off already. Well, that's the whole point, though. It's like after uh, the fracaso that was the World Cup, you want like a straight up like a new sheet of paper. You want to throw everything away. You want to burn everything behind and start new. And this is like more of the same. It doesn't seem we still have a team, a coach that's not Mexican. 
and we're still calling the usual suspects. But, but see, that's assuming everything else was trash when the team was. It was in trash. <laughs> no, it did the same as as other selecciones, right? They they lose to Argentina. We didn't get past the group Mex stage, man. Which, which Mex team hasn't lost to Argentina at the World Cup? They tied Poland, which is right over there to how Mex has tied some of these other teams, and they beat the team they were supposed to beat, Saudi Arabia. That's, that's what Mexico has done every World Cup. As you said, they did in advance, but that came down to goal differential, which, you know, they almost avoided. They had that slip up, um, and they could have gone through, and, and no big deal. Nobody would have been asking for that, all of those changes. Yeah, nah, man, I'm still not over it. And any any signs of struggle against Suriname and Jamaica, good luck, man. This dude's on a very short leash. And I think that's – he was kind of just like a – I think he's an interim coach, man. I don't expect him to last the four years. There's no way. Absolutely so, no way. So, Piojo, so Piojo you have – I'd rather have Piojo a traffic cone. I'd rather, I rather them have – I don't know if you've seen them. You see them in tech all the time. It's like those uh, those segways attached to like a tablet, and they just they uh, and then it's like if they could have a fan controlled surrogate like robot thing and have the fans pick out the starting lineup, that's better than Diego Coca as coach. I'm sorry, bro. Who who then? If you see him as interim, who who do you have lined up? It should have been a Mexican coach, man. It should have been. Nacho Ambriz, I think he would have been a excellent coach. Maybe a Jimmy Lozano even. I would have rather taken a gamble on that than than Diego Coca or Almada. You know, I know he's not Mexican, but he has coached a really good young team, Pachuca. He's gotten them success, and I think he would have been a, a natural replacement. Um, anything's better than Coca though. Yeah, I think it's gonna be telling them these next seasons. Uh, seeing which coaches are going to be at the, you know, it's always that the coaches doing the best that are going to become the natural candidates. So Tuca's back at Cruz Azul. If he's killing it, he's going to, you know, he's going to be start getting. I'm surprised it wasn't Tuca. Uh, but I, and then I'm you, not convinced uh, that Tuca would want it though. Yeah, he said he wanted it. He, he's been Tuka too back been and forth, he man. Wants it. He wants it now. He wants it now. He, and then you have uh, Piojo at Cholos. So if he does good at Cholos, he's he's naturally going to be a candidate too. Uh, Almada as well, as you said. And then who else? Even Pau if he wins with you. Oh God! <laughs> he would have to win. He would have to win though. I don't... I'm not kidding though. Like, look look at what happened with Almeida, right? Because he won with Chivas. Everybody wanted him for the national team. By everybody, I mean Chivas fans. <laughs> it'll be a it, it'll be a cold day at hell before someone from Chivas ends up being national team coach. It's it's gonna be a long time till we see that. I don't think they have that well, kind of we, influence and pull anymore. But Amadi's there, so it it would have you know. It's not like his I dad. Mean, his dad had weight, bro. This dude, it doesn't have shit. Did. For for a short period of time, he had it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying, as far as like replacements go, and it's always gone to someone like like that's been doing good. 
if it's if it's a local coach, if it's a Liga MX coach, it's whoever's currently doing the best. So that's why I'm just going through all those names. Yep. So then here's my question. ¿Por qué no puede ser un extranjero? Con que juegues con los huevos que necesitas, que necesita el equipo mexicano, ¿por qué no puede ser un extranjero? Like this, this whole talk about it has to be a Mexican. It has to be a Mexican. No, 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 no. You have to play Mexican style, which is what? Pressing, con huevos, orale, picale. If you give me that style, I'll take it. But don't give me a bunker ball. Give me what Martino was doing. That's not our style. That's not how we play. Yeah. So, me alivera donde seas. Con que tengas el estilo que nosotros necesitamos, que nosotros jugamos, que corre por nuestra sangre, eso es lo que quiero. Eso es lo que necesito. I don't care about Mexican xenophobia, que no puede ser argentino, que no puede ser esto, que tiene que ser un mexicano. No, 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 no. Tiene que saber jugar como los mexicanos. Fuiste formado en México, entonces sabes cómo es que jugamos. That's the difference. That's what I want to see. And that's so why it's a, it's a head scratcher okay, that they have Coca as coach, because that's yeah. not his style either. Mm-hmm. And that's why, me too, I don't see him lasting the whole four years. I see him as an intro. Until Almeida wins it, and he comes around. Porque, okay, tengo un bicampeón, pero un bicampeón que le está pegando cada vez al arco. Versus un bicampeón que está atrás. You, you guys have some doubts on Grupo Orlegi. That's how I installed them. And their track record has been spot on. So I think they Will know it translate to the national team, though, is the doing. question. I have to take a call, gents. I'll yes. be back in a little. All right. Well, we're actually wrapping up the episode pretty, pretty soon. Uh, I did want to let our listeners know that during this international friendly break, you don't have to go too far if you want to catch some Liga Mekis action here in the States. Uh, kicking things off on Wednesday, March 22nd, Chivas will face Pachuca in PayPal Park over here in San Jose. Uh, I'll be in attendance covering the match. So should be fun. From there, on Thursday, America is also coming to California. They're going to play against Santos at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson. Then on Saturday, Chivas head their way down there uh, against Toluca on the 25th. They're also going to be playing in the Dignity Health Sports Park. Sunday, if you're in San Diego, America versus Cholos, Tijuana. That's going to be very exciting uh, on the 26th. And then on to, in Toyota Fields, uh, it's going to be Monterrey versus Atlas on March 26th. So there's some FIFA's uh, friendly windows if you want to catch some partidos moleros out here in, in California. Um, there's also an upcoming match on Sunday uh, between Guatemala and Panama. Kind of random, but they're out here in San Jose. I'll also be covering that match and see how it goes for Flaco Tena, who is coaching Los Chapines. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for you guys tonight. Uh, Abdias, do you have any closing thoughts for us before we wrap up this episode? I do not, guys, but I will see you next Wednesday night. Yes, sir. Thanks for hopping on tonight. We definitely appreciate your uh, perspective from a Cruz Azul fan. It's always uh, it's always good to get other rivalries in here. Uh, for our Machias hermanos, you know, I would say don't get too excited. Let's let's take this one game at a time, and and see if if Bao can get the job done. 
for America fans, uh, I don't know what to tell you guys. Uh, we didn't have Se any... están escondiendo. Yeah. Decir, ¿Dónde chingados están? Los oigo todo el día que el pinche americanismo y el americanismo sagrado. ¿Sabes qué, güey? Chúpame la verga. ¿Cómo van? Pachuca have them in their back pocket. I thoroughly enjoyed that 3-0 beating they had on Saturday. Um, but uh, hopefully in the next episode we have some more our America fans, Ricardo, uh, show up. Maybe even Ron from Soccer Chronicle. Either way, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. And we will catch you in the next one. Good night.